The X-Men? Well, I must admit, this is certainly the exact place I'd expect to find you. How long has it been? Five years? You haven't changed one bit. Me, on the other hand, naturally, listen to this episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Reflux capacitor. Fluxing. Man United 2003. Prepare to rewind in 3, 2, 1. Welcome, rewinders and new listeners to the Retro Rewind Podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and games from 15 or more years ago. I am your captain of the pod, Francisco Ruiz, and I am joined by your XO and mine, Paul, the master of all the powers, powers. <laughs> um, you got any beer? This is a podcast, Paul. Oh, so that's a no. Yeah, that's a no. <laughs> also for this discussion of the film X2, X-Men United, we have a full crew compliment, first of which we welcome back aboard Feelings Officer Patrick Patch Hicks. Welcome, Patch. Hey, everybody. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back, and hopefully lots of emotion comes out of this episode, at the very least. Some good laughs. Maybe half of the episode. Uh, oh, look at Vern. Our next two guests, in addition to Patch, are also both being promoted this episode. So let's Ooh. first congratulate LJ Lowry, also known as War J around these parts, with Ooh. six Retro Rewind podcast episodes under his belt. He is now promoted to Information Technology Chief. Congratulations, wow, LJ. Good job. Thank you. Yes. It's good to be back again. Glad to have you back. And finally, before our discussion of X2, we welcome back professional illustrator and designer Colin Schlicht. Colin, since this is your third episode, you become an official member of the crew with the rank of shipman. Congratulations, Colin. Oh, baby. Thank now you so much. To work. Of course. Now, super stoked. What department of the ship would you like to serve in? Oh, man. Yeah, well, do you have an art department? Do you have a music department? Do you have anything oh, like well, that? Yeah, I think we have a marketing department, so you could do marketing. A marketing department? Well, yeah. Sounds kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> Almost had him, Francis. We don't, have, just we don't yes. have an art department per se, but mm. you could do market. You could do art in the marketing. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, where put me wherever, man. All right, we'll call him the art kitting guy. <laughs> <laughs> Art kitting? Oh, oh, because yes. Mark, like Mark. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you missed the arc on that one. Uh, uh, uh. Well, I'll go to my room. I'll go to my. We room. we can we can talk more about. It. We have some other people that are sort of still figuring out their roles. It's fine. That's fine. We can figure it out later. But Colin's wow, he figured out his role and you denied him it. But let's go on. <laughs> so glad you're here, Colin. He's like that's a great role for me to poop on. That's what yeah. And congratulations. <laughs> To Colin and LJ for your promotions. Yes. But now that you have a semi-quick flyby of who we are, Paul, can you give us a quick rundown of the production specs for X2 X-Men United? All right. X2 X-Men United was released May 2nd in 2003. It runs 14 minutes over to the two-hour mark and is rated PG-13. Mm. It was directed by our good friend Brian Singer, who we haven't talked to in a while. Oh, I wonder if we'll call him this time. I hope so. Anyway, it was written by uh, Zach Penn, David Haytner, and Brian Singer, with lead stars being Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Hale Berry, 
Halle Berry, sorry. <laughs> Hail Berry. Didn't want you, <laughs> Hale, to get all excited, figuring that he was in this movie. When he's wow. There. And uh, music was composed by John Ottman. Are you ready for the box office trivia game? I'm ready. Uh, LJ, Patch, and Con, are you guys ready? Yep. Yes. And chat, feel free to join in. Okay, Paul, go for okay. it. X2 X-Men United was made for, get this, a whopping $120 million. That seems that was so high. Jeez. Back in 2003, too. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's lots of craft services is why that was so high. Lots, yeah. of, lots of craft services for the, for the team there. <laughs> yeah. Those Doritos, man. Anyway. <laughs> wow. It went on to earn over $440 million Ooh, at the wow. box office. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nice. So given this and the fact that it was released theatrically in the year 2003, how high do you think it ranks among the in the box office among the movies released in 2003? Okay. We'll go for top 50. Top 50. All right, let's start with Colin. What's your guess? Uh, let's go 10. 10. Uh, Patch, how about you? I'm going to go one below that, 11. 11. LJ? Uh, I'll say 8. Eight. Almost oh. prices right. Uh for me, I'm I think you guys are too too enamored with this movie. I'm gonna go with twenty. Oh. And let's see, in chat we have a ton. We have eight from Star Fox, uh fourteen from Geek Devotions, three from Neko, seven from Ashley, uh let's see, seven from Dale. Uh I think though those are them. Any others? Two from Stacy. So, Paul, what is the where did it end up in the top fifty for two thousand three movies? All right, was it Colin that said ten, and then uh, Patch? You said you got to go one below that to eleven. Yeah, 11? Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you should have went one higher, and it was oh. nine. Oh. So it's tied between Colin and, and Warje. Yeah, Colin nice. Warje. Good job. I, I would have Good said job. ten, and then Colin said it, so I chose eight. Ah, okay. <laughs> nice job, guys. But but I think we all know it should have been in twenty, right? Uh, let's go. <laughs> Thank so you for time. those factoids, Paul. <laughs> and let's see if any of them factor into our memory mind melt or subsequent roundtable discussion, which we'll get into once Alice has located our target film. Alert! Alert! Approaching target. Swindlers incoming. Establishing analysis vector. You always do as you're told. On May 2nd, it's X. I'm driving. Maybe next time. To the extreme. Got a talent you have there. Somebody's angry. Why are we getting your phones? We're on order. Should arrive in a few years. Rated PG-13. May 2nd, only in theaters. Yes, May 2nd, only in theaters, uh, cat-licking claws, lots of fun, maybe, or was it? But, I mean, what do we remember about X2, really? Do we remember uh, it exactly right, or were there some things that weren't quite, quite right in our memories? Well, we merged them together to give you our memory mind melt synopsis of X2, X-Men United. Nightcrawler does his best, now you see me, now you don't impression. Wolverine has to leave to find his origin, while the other X-Men deal with kids wanting to take a new drug to be normal. When did being a waterbed become a mutant power? X-Men fight bad guy from Born Identity and his kid who is stronger than Professor X. No more mutants. 
Or, I'm sorry, no more mutants. Okay, you can have some. The day is one, but Jean doesn't survive the escape. Or does she? Uh, yeah, that was, I mean, some of that definitely was happened in this movie, but some of it was decepted. In fact, I think someone thought that like this was X3 or something. So strange. How'd you get the two confused? How do you get the two confused? But, you know, based on those memories as I mean, very flawed as they were, what rating did they lead you to predict before you rewatched this movie? Uh, classic, nostalgic or tragic? Let's start with uh, Patch this time. I went with classic. Classic. Uh, LJ, how about you? Uh, I went with nostalgic. Nostalgic. Uh, Colin, what was your prediction? I predicted a strong classic. Okay. It's, there's no strength in this, but okay, strong classic. <laughs> no, there's not. No. Okay. Okay, classic. A colossus-sized classic. <laughs> Gosh. Covered in metal. <laughs> Paul, what was your prediction? Prediction. I predicted a weak classic. <laughs> what the junk? <laughs> I predicted a pyro blazing nostalgic. Eh, there you go. With an asterisk. When did we attach a- adjectives to our... <laughs> I know. We have. Na- well, Colin started it. Yeah. I'm just, going with, I'm just going with the crowd, man. Jeez. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Okay. Awesome, guys. Well, it'll be interesting to see if those predictions come true. But first, let's get into our discussion of the things we liked most about X2, X-Men United. Let's spin up our one and only... Best three. Best three things that we're just going to do top two since there's five of us tonight. So they give us plenty to talk about. And if anyone mentions one that was on your list, feel free to add to it. But let's start tonight with Colin. What's the thing that you, what's one thing you really liked about X2? Uh, one thing I really, really liked about X2, I think, is just the, uh, like the attention to detail throughout, mm-hmm. like the Easter eggs and everything that are kind of dropped all through the, through the film. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, Easter sure. Egg? Yeah. Like, like um, Jubilee randomly called out at one oh, point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see. Magneto reading like Once and Future King, uh, oh. Sabretooth. Yeah. What is what? Once and Future King? I've meant to look that up, but I don't know what that is because at the end, that's the one that uh, Professor, uh, X, Professor X, X is talking about. So what is that? What is that? I'm not yeah, sure that, exactly, but I, the I title relates that. to the character of Magneto, I think. Uh, so that's a, it's a book by T.H. White, who was actually one of the Inklings related to uh, J.R.R. Oh, Tolkien. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it's... And it's essentially the Arthurian legend story in book form. Oh, it's a good book. It's okay, really cool. good. Oh, awesome! It's really good. Very exactly cool. what what Patch said. Totally. And then, uh, <laughs> let's see the uh, the saber tooth cat in the museum. Like um, Remy LeBeau's name comes up in the Striker Files. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and yeah, uh, Hank yeah, McCoy. Her. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> what Paul? I I know Hank McCoy. Yeah. What was that last one? Did you say the newsboys? The newsboys. He goes by Henry. <laughs> yeah, on the news, they have Hank McCoy on their beast. Oh, and he's, and he's talking in an that. interview. Yeah. It so, wasn't, it wasn't Kelsey Grammer, though, right? No. No, it wasn't. Right. No. It wasn't Frazier. No. Oh, <laughs> Frazier in beast mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was all really cool. Okay, yeah. so all the, all the Easter eggs. Very cool. I, I honestly yeah. didn't notice that many, but I'm apparently not a huge comic uh, person for the X-Men comics, even though those were some of the comics I did get as a kid. Uh, but let's go I to... I just didn't read them. 
I don't know how to read. Thanks for pointing it out, Paul. <laughs> LJ, were the cami were the Easter eggs or other things like that the thing that made your like list, or did something else really draw you in? Um, something else, and it was the thing that I noticed after uh, watching the. I watched the first one a few weeks ago just to kind oh, of fun. Pre- prepare myself for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good idea. And what I noticed this, especially about this one is that uh, the costume work seemed so much better. Oh. Like it, the costumes seemed actually so much come more comfortable and like mm-hmm. realistic to like move around in because mm-hmm. like the first movie, it's almost kind of like the Batman, be, you know, the Christopher Nolan Batman problem. How like that, that costume looks so uncomfortable in like the first movie, but then they iterated on it and um, they did that in this movie. It felt, it looked like they iterated on the costumes and they just felt more practical and mm-hmm. they, they, they just felt so uncomfortable in the first movie. And this, this time around, that wasn't the case. And, uh, it, I just liked the costume design of a lot of the, the X-Men and just, it, it felt like it worked and, and they made it work and they, it seemed like they didn't have trouble like moving around in, in those costumes. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was, it was more of a small thing, but I was just like, you know what? That's very noticeable compared to the previous movie. So yeah, I, I, I did like that about it. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. There's lots of upgrades and stuff throughout. Like, I mean, the whole thing seems to be really like a level up. Yes, yeah, they improved budget. upon a lot of the, the design. The bigger Dorito budget helped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> wow, you can get in the craft services. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's go to Passionex. What's something you really liked about this film? Well, something I remember liking initially, and it was just a good reminder watching it this time around, were the set pieces. Mm. There are so, so many mm. well-crafted set pieces, not yeah. just craft service set pieces oh but well gosh. crafted set pieces that looked <laughs> and, like the white house yeah yeah and, <laughs> i mean it really starts with nightcrawler that opening sequence just really pulls you in you've got a brand new character that you didn't see in the first entry yeah. and it mm-hmm. really kind of leaves you going whoa who else are we going to see and going back to colin's reference about some of the easter eggs mm-hmm. we sort of got that throughout the film through those easter eggs but then you go into other sequences like at the museum which is fantastic showing off some of those uh, what I would consider pretty great special effects at the time, and even some hold up now. Mm-hmm. And then even leading into when Magneto eventually escapes his prison, the way in which he manipulates the metal oh, by, so cool. blow, by mm-hmm. blowing it out of the, the security guy and then using it like bullets and then mm-hmm. recrafting it as a disc and moving mm-hmm. across. And you yeah, really, really awesome. felt like you were creating a really fantastic balancing act that he was with the disc. But in terms of... <laughs> filmmaking being able to to balance kind of a pseudo realism with super heroics because you can really really lose that if you go overboard with one or the other and if you don't establish that early as being balanced then you're going to lose your audience and i think when you see nightcrawler in that opening sequence showing off that <clears throat> ability to not only just teleport but also be strategic in that teleporting that's what I thought was like a great setup for like, okay, these are the types of things we're going to see, not just X-Men powers on display, mm-hmm. but strategically placed and strate- strategically being used using, you know, from the adults using it like practically to the kids using them as pranks, mm-hmm. like Firebird or whatever his name was. I couldn't remember Pyro. his name. Pyro, sorry. Uh, you know, just <laughs> Firebird. Yeah, that's one. my X-Men name for him. Why not? <laughs> but overall, I thought all of the set pieces really worked. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Brian Singer did a fantastic job with his team in bringing together that real 
natural to super heroic balance to the film through these set pieces. Yeah, weird. You know what? Hold on. I'm going to call. Oh, oh he- hello. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, hi, guys. It's Bri- been a while. Brian. Brian, yes. how, how are you Brian. doing, Brian? Singer? Yes. It's, it's, thank you so much. Hey, this. You know what? This is my favorite podcast, even though I haven't heard of a single episode of you guys. But I love it when you cover my movies. I, I mean, we appreciate that, Brian. I, it's funny that you you would call right now. I, I yeah. had a question for you. Exactly. We're yes, just talking please. about what's going on. I've got to make it quick. I'm I'm busy. Oh, okay. You know. So the set pieces in X2. Do you remember them? Yeah, I built them all by hand. Yes. What? That's, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> what was your yeah, favorite one to build by hand, Brian? Um, the, the fridge where Wolverine gets the beer out. That was amazing. <laughs> I don't think you understand what a set piece is but we gotta go to uh, brian we don't want to use too much of your time thanks for being yeah, here I, 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 oh, yeah, bye bye brian brian okay so let's go <laughs> next to uh paul what's something you liked about uh x2 um <laughs> one of the things that uh that patch just mentioned i thought there were parts of this film that were really smart like taking the uh like putting the guy having have injecting him and having too much blood or sorry too much iron in his blood and then magneto being able to use that oh, as oh. A, a mean to it as an escape because I'm, it's made of metal i'm sorry what? but yes. how would they have liquefied iron wouldn't it be have to be it's molten to be liquid in your blood it's like little chunks of it it's not it's not so liquefied. that whole thing it's, wasn't iron it was like little bits in some other <laughs> like yeah solution. it's kind of like sand coming together but in uh, all right, a all right, much smaller all right fine scale. all right I, Right, it was a strange then, looking book. Okay, but it 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 shows and it demonstrated how a lot of these uh, mutants have these powers that can do amazing things with just simple things. They don't have to fly. I mean, just like Magneto taking out the pins of the uh, the grenades of the guys, you know, in the hallway. Yes, it's just yes. So brilliant and so simple. It's just very smart. So I love seeing those kinds of nuances that mm-hmm. you don't have to be showy, but. It's a great demonstration of their power and Absolutely. how dangerous they could be. Yeah. Um, not really related to that at all, but related to the danger element. The thing I liked uh, before we get to our classic makers is, uh, speaking of Pyro or Fireboy, what did you call him, Patch? Firebird. <laughs> Firebird? <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, so Firebird, a.k.a. Pyro, I thought his, I was really impressed with the fire effects he had. I thought they still held up really well today. It looked like actual fire, not like... PlayStation video game fire that you see in movies there. Watch it in, on a 4K screen. <sighs> oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> sorry, Paul. I just upgraded oh. to a 1080 recently. So sorry that I'm not 4K. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, what I'm saying is I saw the same thing, and that's that was the fire, the fire itself, but it looked fine. But when it was like the streams of it, that it didn't hold up for me. Okay, that's fair. Well, for me, it did hold up. So if cool. you just watch this on like a, a 480i, right, it would be I'll, great. I'll watch it on my phone next time, Good. like from five feet away. <laughs> okay. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> wow. Okay, guys. Well, apparently the, my like wasn't that great. What do you think of my <laughs> classic maker? How about that? Which is, of course, Nightcrawler. I not only oh. liked his set piece, but I really liked him as a character. I like that he yeah. certainly was a, a had, had faith was uh, ostensibly a Christian or a Catholic or something like that. That was really cool to see. Um, I really... I a really, German Catholic. All of the... Uh, which, this part I didn't get, the whole, like... It, it, we got these, these uh, not tattoos, but the, the tracings or whatever from angels. I don't think that's biblical. But regardless, I thought that was a cool idea. And that, Scars. 
scars. Kind of flogging yourself for your sins. I thought, I thought it looked really cool. The designs of them and all that. Absolutely. And, uh, and of course him in the beginning, it was awesome seeing him bamf around though. Closed caption people. It wasn't whoosh. He's not whooshing around. It's bam. Right. Get it right. Jeez. Oh yeah, bam is always associated with Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I agree. I thought uh, Alan Cumming did a great job bringing that character to life. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my classic maker for X two. Uh, Paul was your was that your uh, classic maker as well or something else? So close. Oh, okay, um, so close. And and that is, um, I mean, besides. Seeing the cast returned, uh, which is absolutely fantastic cast in this. I loved the uh, the faith exchange between mm, um, Nightcrawler yes. and Storm. Yeah, uh, using the anger versus faith, and then at the end using that faith to teleport away and into stuff. So I thought that that whole dynamic was was great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Colin next. What was your classic maker? Yeah, I I had Nightcrawler as my classic maker, mm. but then the White House breach was just man, that thing is just such a banger still. Yes. Like even I haven't seen this movie in so long and when I saw it last night I was just still like blown away by how like exciting it was, mm-hmm. how engaged and just like how well made it was and there's a lot of crazy wire work and everything that happens in this film, mm-hmm. but um it actually works really well and it's really yeah. cool to watch in that sequence because it shows how fast Nightcrawler is and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But is he faster than speeding bullets? That's one of the things that I that I, <laughs> I enjoy that scene. That scene is one of the best original X Men scenes, like across the three movies, like that intro. Yeah, it, I agree with you that. But some of those shots, I was like, no, he's he would have went down. <laughs> oh, like you're saying, he can't. He's not fast enough to teleport away before the bullet would yeah, hit him. Exactly, okay, I could see that. Yeah. They, they fired off three rounds before he bamfed out of there. And it's like, what? He didn't get hit? But anyway. Um, he was wearing a bulletproof vest? Maybe. maybe. They didn't. Maybe. It, but then why did he get hit I, at the end? Of I don't scene? know. I, oh, it wasn't on his back. Good okay, question. Good. I did All wish right. they He wasn't did, paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> I did wish they did more scars tail. But what about his scars yeah. patch? They're made of... Kevlar, so I mean he's fine. Oh, you know, oh okay. Oh, yes. thank you. <laughs> Never mind. To the I... mythos of Nightcrawler for you boys. Okay. Just a little, little, little tidbit there. Yeah. All right. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> then thank I you. retract what I said. I mean, why not? Just let's. Just... There you go. Just Great scene. Oh goodness. Okay, let's go with uh, Patch. Apparently, he has something to say. What is your favorite part about X Two, Patch? <laughs> I always have something to say, but in terms of my classic maker, let me guess. Let me guess. I, this whole movie, from beginning to end, was amazing and thrilling. There is no part at all that slowed down for you. I bet he went back to my transcript on Jurassic Park <laughs> and pulled that. I mean, and I have no apologies for that. I will not apologize. I have said this before. I believe I've said this on the show before is that I love balance when it comes to any kind of film, especially We're when you have an action adventure. We're not talking about the Cry Kid right now, Patch. This is X2. Look, Nightcrawler had incredible balance. <laughs> Nightcrawler had incredible, incredible balance during that set piece. All right. Fair enough. But, but you have this, if you're, if you're a director and you're holding on to these, these characters and you're making a movie about them, the first thing you want to do is put them in a bunch of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, and look, I'm an unapologetic fan of the Fast and Furious franchise <laughs> as a whole. I recognize <laughs> its flaws and I recognize the ridiculousness yeah. of a, a good chunk of it. But at the heart of it is what I really latch on to, which is this idea of family. And I think what mm. X2 does is it gives us pockets of 
where the story slows down and we get to understand motives from all these characters. Mm-hmm. Like there's this great conversation between Stryker and Xavier about what it means to rehabilitate someone and mm-hmm. what Stryker sees, what, what, um, what Xavier sees as good uh, striker sees in a different way. They mm-hmm. reinterpret, they interpret rehabilitation or reeducation in different ways mm-hmm. and seeing how, seeing the irony of that, where striker keeps X-Men close to his, close to his chest. And he says, yeah, as long as I can control them, they're good. Mm. So manipulating what's out there, not being a pure patriot of anti mutants, but, really being a, if I can control them, then they're good. But if not, let's just exterminate them. So having conversations like that, conversations with Xavier and Magneto, conversations with Magneto and Pyro, just all these different moments, even with, with Storm and, and Kurt and, and Nightcrawler, Mm -hmm. there are these, they allow for us to be able to really kind of attach ourselves to characters. Oh yeah, I definitely relate to this x-man or this totally, person or that yeah. and depending on where we're at in our culture or where we're at individually and what we're kind of dealing with sometimes we can be the william striker we're like yeah you know what <laughs> let's just burn it all down tread stone kind of baby black fryer <laughs> let's go or or we can uh, but i also like the fact that this movie allows us to be able to see a world of gray. Yeah. Not just Jean Gray, mm. but gray, like the color where we have... But um pumped. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look at Magneto, we see him in the first film as he is the quote-unquote bad guy. Mm-hmm. But is he? Because when we see a third character come in in the form of William Stryker, now Magneto is more the questionable. Are, is my are, are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are his... <laughs> Are his motives really that disingenuine? And it's really interesting to see kind of a dichotomy of approaches to how the world is going to view mutants. It's not mm-hmm. just, are they good? Are they bad? Are they useful? Are they not? Are they worth being around? Are they not? Um, if you had the power to destroy, would you do that? Yes, no, maybe. And it, it really creates all these great questions that we ask. Of course, there's a lot of symbolism and and uh, and metaphor in this that mm-hmm. kind of allow for interesting discussion afterwards but overall i think having that balance of tone and not just letting it be all your favorite x-men on the big screen doing crazy stuff that you want them to do but having those moments where you're like oh okay cool it gives them agency we understand why nightcrawler is the way he is we understand why storm's the way she is and i think among this trilogy x2 does that the best Mm -hmm. i could see that I could see yeah. that. And, and speaking of family, I choose the boy over you, Striker. You're not my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> the, the boy in the wheelchair? The No, the boy that he's carrying at the end, at the end in the snow. He's carrying... Yeah. The, I don't know why he's carrying that boy so long just because he tripped. But he then could like put him in Paul, the plane before going to see Striker. Who's yeah. But what if that boy could fly, Paul? Oh. Then they could oh. both go. RetroRewindPodcast.com slash whatever. What Go search for Boy Who Can Fly. <laughs> wow. Yes. Have sauceless spaghetti. Okay. Uh, then that leaves LJ. What's your classic maker for X2 X-Men United? 
yeah, y'all touched on like the sh the showcasing of the abilities and stuff like that. That that was a big one for me. But I, I guess uh, I have kind of something that kind of ties everything we've discussed together. Um, so uh, we talked about you know the showcasing of the abilities and set pieces and stuff, and I really liked it. This movie reminded me what became like what became in in the future uh like the wolverine movies and stuff and just mm -hmm. a lot of su success came out of this movie um which was uh you know all the, all the wolverine movies and showcasing hugh jackman and his character actually like doing more and showcasing wolverine was really cool um mm -hmm. because because that <sighs> paves the way for a lot more and Despite my what will, what will probably be one of my dislikes is other characters got the short end of the stick in my opinion. Oh, they get oh. as much screen time. <laughs> um, but like Wolverine, yes, mm -hmm. yeah, that's foreshadowing to yeah. I'm a Cyclops fan, so um, <laughs> so and we'll talk about that later. But I, I no it Scott had, Summers. It had me wanting to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm there again. There are issues with a lot of these movies, but it had me wanting to watch X Men Origins again. It had me wanting to watch, the, you know, the Wolverine again and Logan. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it reminded me that, like, despite you know Hugh Jackman not being like totally this totally accurate version of Wolverine, like he made that character his own. Totally. And mm -hmm. uh, he like even so far into like when I think of like the video games that they made off of him, like they had this uh, X Men Origins game and. He, Oh, that it played so much like that scene in the movie, especially one of the most iconic scenes in that movie to me was the school invasion. Yes. When he just yeah. kind of like let loose. And I was like, oh, I was like, they watched this one scene and just made a video game out of it. Like, that was <laughs> it. Um, and oh, it's just, it reminded me of how, like, how well Hugh Jackman did Wolverine for them to be able to, to make all this other stuff off of it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's cool. Um, but again, that added to the to the set pieces y'all were talking about, like when he finally shows up to, you know, to the base and sees where you know the adamantium came from and stuff like that. When he starts to discover his past more, mm -hmm. like there was so much that came out of this this story that they wrote for him. And uh, as as much as again, as much as I would like to see characters like Cyclops shine a little more, like they did such a good job with with Hugh Jackman and, mm. and Logan and stuff like that. So. That uh, at the at the end of the day, despite my grievances, that that was indeed my classic maker for this movie. So it got me excited to watch these movies again, even though I'll probably cringe during X Men Three. But um. <laughs> it, it does sound to me, uh, LJ, that it's almost like these X Men movies the the first three uh, X Men X Two and X Three. What's the what's the extra line of like the final battle or something? The last stand. The last stand. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it seems like with them, they're almost, they are, now that you mentioned that, they are very Wolverine-centric, and it yes. feels like less of a, of, of a team effort. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like with, I think, Mission Impossible, I never really watched the show, but from what I understand, it was the whole team. It wasn't just Ethan Hawke. I assume that's the guy from the Hunt. show. Hunt. Ethan, Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hawke is an actor. <laughs> Done. Okay, you know what? Leave Done. me alone, Firebird. Okay, Ethan Hunt. <laughs> uh, well, that, that hints at my one of my uh, one of my dislikes. Okay, so well then right. I'll just, foreshadow. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah. I, I think it'd be cool if if there's more of a team effort. 
or yeah, team centric. You're you're right though. There are, and there are definitely characters. Yeah, we, I mean we've already mentioned that, but yes, they do definitely feel Wolverine centric. Yes. In, in a lot of ways. Uh, well, can I can I tack on to that yeah. since Paul totally kind of um, demolished my classic maker? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is great. And he's like, yeah, but you, you did the, the bullet thing. No, I'm playing. Yeah, but Paul. Yeah, uh, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to say that the the kitchen scene with Wolverine. Oh, we can't so let good. this slide with that. Dude, that is really like, good. Yeah. I'm not talking about Iceman. We're going to get to that later. I'm talking about just the part where he he just takes that that guy up against the fridge and has that like <laughs> that big like primal scream in his face. Oh, and, yes. And then the, that, was good. that was good yeah. too, yes. Yeah. And then the, the body comes down. You see the claw marks in the back of the fridge, like through the steel fridge. Oh, I and missed then, that. Oh, okay, cool. Dude. Oh, yeah. Well, back it's just behind the counter going, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, that's too brutal. <laughs> Yeah, so that part gets me every time too. Oh, see, I like the quiet <laughs> moment between, but between to some Patrick's and the between uh, Wolverine Bobby. And, and Bobby Iceman. I'm not when Iceman. he iced up the uh, when he iced up the Doctor no, Pepper. I mean, that was cool. Yeah, yeah, but I just but who, like that they're connected. Who put connected. soda in the fridge? Who put soda in the cupboard? <clears throat> yeah, and we got to make room that's for the point. chocolate milk and juice boxes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Because this is a school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. pe- and adults live there. Stop it. Maybe Come they're on. trying to like moderate the sugar intake. I don't know. Yeah. Now I with chocolate it. milk in the fridge, dude. I mean, oh, right. that's a good point. Right. Let's let's keep it real. Beer's a natural diuretic, so I mean, you can you can <laughs> drink beer and pee wow. and you know, it's oh, fun. It's good for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, why do you think Wolverine drinks so much beer? He's just. He's stout, man. And he also has the immune system of a crazy person who didn't get drunk. I mean, what's the point, Graham? It tastes good. No, it doesn't, Wolverine. It does not taste good. Yeah. It's an acquired guys, taste. We're not talking it's about like you're an acquired mutant. This isn't a beer and movies discussion. We're, let's move on. We have Maybe it should be that. We have to get to the things <laughs> that we podcast. don't. There's no beer. We already established that. <laughs> that we don't like, except now that I'm looking except at my notes. We're at the part where we do I, like not our not our dislikes. I know. I thought, but we are done, and I thought we could move on, but no. Of course, as is my standard, apparently, I forgot something. Yes, I know. It's a big surprise to everyone that I forgot. Spirit Blade Productions. Since 2006, Peter Franson has been operating Spirit Blade Productions to create entertainment and resources that equip, encourage, and inspire Christian geeks. And soon after starting this indie studio, Peter expanded to include a ton more content and community under the banner of Christian Geek, Geek Central. I am personally a big fan of what Peter is doing, and you can join me in supporting him on Patreon so that we can help keep this ministry going and growing. Not to mention, your support can unlock fun rewards for you to enjoy. Head over to patreon.com slash spiritbladeproductions for all the details. That sounds more like an ad than uh, a like for X2. What does that have to do with X2? He's reviewed some of the X-Men movies. Oh, okay, so go check out Spirit Blade Productions for his reviews of the X-Men movies? Sure. <laughs> Do that. Okay, what? Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, Navi. <laughs> All right, fine, Paul. I, I guess it's not technically a like of X2, though I like... Oh, no, no, I didn't think so. Okay. All right. I thought something went over my head. No, no, it did not. Uh, but uh, how about, would you like some trivia about X2? Yes. Would that work better for you? Okay, yes, all right, please. then let's do that. 
Did you all realize that initially during the dark cerebro scene uh, where it is attempting to kill all the mutants, uh, director Brian Singer had planned to show not only cerebro's effect on the mutants in the alkali base, but mutants all over the world. During the scene, Hank McCoy, aka Beast, played in this film by Steve ba- uh, Backick, uh, as seen. Oh, not Frazier. No, he was seen on the television <laughs> screen. I think we talked to him uh, and. He was going to be shown in agony, transforming into his furry form. Mm. And fan favorite Gambit was to be shown at a card game, having his energy powers flare up. This so was that supposed to be played by um, that one guy? What's shoot? Who was supposed to play him? I don't know, mon chéri. No, it's the big guy from the that dancing movie. You know, you know, I, my name is Jeff. Oh, Channing Tatum was supposed to play <laughs> Channing him. Channing Tatum? Oh yeah, my yeah, goodness. Channing Tatum. That is fantastic. Okay, or they could cast me with my perfect Cajun accent. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to ignore that. Uh, He talked away for the rest of the show. (laughs) I could if you would like to do, but apparently... Can you please stop? No, stop. I had the bad idea. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if we wanted to hear what you sound on the potty, that don't let them be. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the potty. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the party where it's Stop it. time. Stop it with all you know. <laughs> I'm the party pooper. Anyway, back to the gambit. Uh, this scene uh, was actually shot using one of Hugh Jackman's stuntmen, James Bamford, as a stand-in for the role. Uh, Wait, they have a guy named Bamford, but they couldn't <laughs> use Bam? Right? I was waiting for somebody to make that joke. Uh, it was shot from behind to remain ambiguous. Uh, for whatever reason, though, Singer decided to cut the sequence altogether, and it remains unseen. So that's the so trivia. Sad. I'm. It leads me to ask you guys, though, what one X-Men, like from the comics or cartoon or whatever, do you wish was in either of Brian Singer's X-Men movies? I guess you could also lump in Days of Future Past if you'd like to also. But oh. yeah, X-Men or X-Men 2 is what I'm thinking. They got a lot of good ones. So... Gambit for sure. Gambit, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that would have to be mine as well. I I love Gambit. Yeah, because there that way there'd be no uh, relationship between Bobby and Rogue. Tell like, me yeah. about it. Good lord, maybe dude. we'll get there in a bit. But oh, there's no maybe about it, bro. Like <laughs> kissy, kissy. <laughs> uh, Paul, how about anyway. you? Who would you want to see? So Gambit for me and no, because they they picked they got. Like my favorite X Men is uh, Kitty Pride, and she was featured in this and in the next one. And so, I don't know. They chose a lot of ones. I'm still thinking. Okay. Uh, how about Patch? Um, I've always been a fan of Hank McCoy Beast, mm-hmm. and I've I think that's been somewhat of a tragedy with the entire X franchise. Is that? Oh, you didn't like di- either. I didn't. I mean, his oh. character, his his costume designer the way in which he was designed just did not i look i love kelsey Grammer, frazier i just yeah. that was a terrible fit for 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 me for x3 and then the way the character was fine in the and i guess the prequels mm-hmm. but i did not like the way he looked at all so mm. it, it's it's go ahead yeah let me ask you a question about that so i'm i'm trying to think about how would how they would do that better so yeah. like just say for the mcu or something like that when they finally introduce x-men would Ooh. you want it to be like would you want it to be like mocap or something or like well yes absolutely because i think that you don't like the um, muppet version <laughs> <laughs> i so it's it's two halves one you've got to be able to 
like for instance, um, one of my favorite series is the uh, the the Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes series. It's fantastic, and part of the reason why is Andy Serkis's performance mocapped in the facial expressions. The other half of that is what I think the creators behind Sonic the Hedgehog realize is that make well, your character look like the comic book. But what's that? I said that's with Cyclops. Oh my gosh, it, it is. But what I'm saying is that you. With, with digitized characters that are covered in fur, like mm-hmm. Sonic or Beast, it's it's a slippery slope. Because yeah. if you watch the 90s X-Men, that Beast character looks pretty good, but he's up against other cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. So, he doesn't look as odd. Yeah. You put a blue-colored you know, animal next to Hugh Jackman, he's going to look stupid by default. So, how do you make him look a little bit less like that i would not i would mocap him and then i would spend a lot of time really looking at the comic books to see okay what are his features what are the things that stand out besides the fact that he's blue mm-hmm. glasses and well i mean upside in down all honesty paul I, I think yeah I, you put some glasses on him but don't make him like the grandpa glasses make yeah. him look like a scientist it's a challenge for sure i'm not i'm not knocking the attempt well, I am knocking the attempt, but I, I get the <laughs> I get the first I get the challenge behind that because it's really difficult to bring a character in that's not going to be. I mean, you can you can see the believability of a Nightcrawler uh, because they have they, they don't have fur. I think fur is what's really doing. Yeah, the fur. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a lot to try to overcome, especially when you're doing live action. So I think starting with mocap would be a great. Yeah. A great start. And then, you know, taking your cues from the Planet of the Apes, watch how he moves in the cartoons, watch how the comic books portray him, and then see if you can create maybe a combination of practical and digital effects to really bring that to life with the mocap. Yeah, probably... like Taika Waititi and, and uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's even... definitely possible. Well, even with uh, with the, the the Snyder Cut of Justice League, I love the way that they read that the original, what the new design of uh of uh, i can't remember the the the, the lackey's name not yeah. dark side of course but um decide uh, not decide but the uh, other guy yeah, thank you steppenwolf. steppenwolf loved his character design yeah and you're talking about a guy you're talking about a character that looks different than human beings or you know gods that look like humans mm-hmm. yeah but of course that was more believable because of the fact that you had this godlike character fighting godlike characters in the form of Superman sure, and Wonder yeah. Woman and Aquaman. So you find you find as much like common ground to bring a character up to realism to the to the world that they're trying to create. And I think Beast is a is a challenge because he is very much a cartoon character by default. And when you put him next to guys wearing like real outfits uh and stuff that you're trying to take seriously, it's it's such a challenge. So to answer your question, I would love to see a properly done matured out designed beast yeah i mean and they should also i think you're bringing up lots of awesome references Tash. i think they should also reference the 1991 version probably not the 2017 version though a beast I <laughs> yeah i see he's smiling about. i'm that like that went way over my head that's not that's what, le, that's less it. than 15 years or older so, so i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> So I guy kick out my own joke. That's a reference to Beauty and the Beast. Oh, oh that one. Was old as time. Exactly. Swing and a miss. Would, no, I, that was a home run. You just didn't see it. I, you know what? Though, I somebody who makes bad jokes myself. Uh, at least you enjoyed your joke. I did enjoy that joke. 
<laughs> ah, put, that's a punch out right now. Anyway, so <laughs> that looking. leaves uh, Paul still and LJ. Let's go to LJ. Who would you like to have seen of your X-Men that you enjoy? Uh, I, I I had to, the one I thought of just because thinking of if they were going to focus on Wolverine more in other ones or maybe in the future, maybe they, if if MCU gets a hold of them. Um, I'd like to see Omega Red, I think. That'd be really mm. cool. Uh, oh, is he were, the one with yeah. the sword, the samurai sword? Is that He's no, the that's, ac- octopus guy. He's the uh, Russian guy oh. that has like the tentacle thing. Oh, the, right. Like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. that's, yes, yeah. okay. I'm merging the yeah. two in my head, but yes, I know who you're talking about now. Okay. Yeah, Omega Red, cool. yeah. Yes, yes. I think that would be a really cool uh, villain for them to get, like a Wolverine villain. Very cool. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know how it could have worked in these movies in particular, but it, it, someday that would be a really cool character to see on screen. Nice. And Paul, mm-hmm. that leaves you. You know, I've been thinking, they, they've done, I mean, between all the movies, they've done so many, um, like, between... Uh, yes, but which would you like to have seen in these first two movies? Even if they're in the oh, later ones. Oh, you know ones. what? I would have liked to see a, a, a better use of Angel because he's an oh, originator yes. of X-Men. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. He's in the original I, they, X-Men. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah, and and what they did with the character, I don't... It, it in number three, you're talking about... With what they did with the comics, yeah. Yeah. And I do boy. like... I like Ben Foster, the guy who played Angel in one of the iterations. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, what they did with the character just doesn't live up to his... Well, that's fair. That's fair, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be rad because that would leave Archangel like options for that. And then Mm -hmm. that's so awesome, too. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're making you mad by going so long about talking about this. That's okay. Great trivia, Francisco. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Uh, Or hangry. Anyway, (laughs) uh, great trivia, Francisco. And I have the answer to our previous audience question, which again was, what is your favorite airplane? Ooh. Okay. We had an answer from Ken. Is that Kennethan? Yeah, that is Kennethan, yes. Okay. And he says, of course it would be a Boeing B-17. There are tons of great airplanes, and more recent is the 787. Very so, cool. There you go. I forget. It. So he's a, 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 a aircraft aeronautical engineer. I forget if he's... I don't think he's worked on the B-17, but I think he might have been working on the 787. But very cool, Ken. Oh, Maybe I should ask him if a DeLorean looks like an airplane without wings. Because I have yet to meet anybody who even <laughs> thinks that. It's so ridiculous. It looks like an airplane without wings. No, it doesn't. See, I do anyway. <laughs> much better that old farmer guy than a striker. Anyway, now here is this episode's listener question. What is your favorite X-Man or X-Woman or X-Person? So I, I've been X-Man. curious about this. Is X-Men... For this context, still singular, or do you say X Man or X Woman? Uh, Crickets. All right, fine. Maybe we'll just go with you whatever. Have the How about to that? Choose to you know be derogatory as you wish. Awesome. So send, regardless of your derogatory answer, send that your those answers to trivia at retrorewindpodcast.com by the time we record the next episode, which usually gives you a week and a couple days. Though if you're watching here live, you have plenty of time. Uh, to send your answers, probably more like on order, the order of two weeks. But now that we have all had some trivial fun, let's find out what memories you, our awesome rewinders, had about X2 X-Men United. Aaron Huey says, oh no, it's 2000 retro? Is 2000 retro now? Yes, it is. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Stanley Wright says, Wolverine owns this movie. My favorite scene is where they tell him to drop the knives, and Wolverine says, I can't. <laughs> that is a good scene. Drew Dodgen yeah. says the opening with Nightcrawler in the White House is one of the best film openings ever made. 
Agreed. The Dapper Man says, it's one of my favorite. Do you want to try this again or no? <laughs> With your accent, Francisco? No, I don't want to insult okay, the Dapper we won't, Man. Okay, we won't embarrass him. <laughs> he I, says I think it's you're embarrassing yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite. He says it's one of my favorites besides X-Men First Class and Days of Future Past. Oh, nice. It was actually... I was actually disappointed at the time they didn't have Wolverine as in the comics, shorter and bulkier, like 5'9", Canadian. Yeah, where did his accent go, eh? But he goes on to say, this film holds, this film sold Hugh Jackman as a 6'3 Australian and as Wolverine people wanted to see in films. It was fun, although my mom watching it with... He says, although my mom watching it with us kept repeating as we watched it, this is PG-13. We kept shushing her as we kept watching. <laughs> Little did she know how increasingly violent movies would push the rating system. Yeah, this guy goes like full berserker in the hallway. I, I was I was uh, kind of shocked there myself, ah. which was good, I thought. So, so if she that's watched, how the character is. If she watched it today, she'd probably like, this is... This is PG-13. It's not G. Oh, crazy. No, Mom. Logan's R. <laughs> Dustin Warford uh, says, mm -hmm. of all the X-Men movies, this is my favorite. The opening scene with Nightcrawler, Berserker Wolverine in the school, the Colossus tease, the X-Men and the Brotherhood team up, and the Phoenix tease at the end. I thought this was the perfect X-Men movie. Wow. Such high praise. Ryan R. Jackson says, an awesome movie. I've often wondered what happened to the Statue of Liberty piece of crown that Wolverine cut off. I assume uh, it's just in the ocean. I guess they could have yeah. repaired it. That was from the first movie, but yeah, they yeah. never explained what happened to it in the they second They did movie. not. <laughs> uh, Stephen Hamilton says, I love it when Iceman instantly cools down the Dr. Pepper. I also like Lady Deathstrike. Yeah, that takes some skill to cool it just right without breaking the glass. Or to freeze the, water in the liquid inside. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's done that before. John Harju says, I remember being incredibly disappointed when dun, I found dun, out th that Glenn Danzig wasn't cast as Wolverine. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, and maybe that's also referring to the first movie. Uh, Cater Todd 5 says, opening scene with Not Nightcrawler was maybe the best of the series. Yeah. Jawori says... An Aussie with a bad American accent from Canada. I didn't think he had a bad accent. But okay. uh, and then Reed Benson closes out by saying, oh, this movie. This may be the first movie that was ever ruined for me by other people hyping it up too much. By the time I saw it, I was either expecting too much or was already hardened against it out of spite of being told I had to see it. Thus, Aww. it's really hard for me to judge it on its own merits. I also don't think X-Men movies hold up as well as I expected them to. So let's fair. talk about the things that didn't, that we don't think held up well in X2 X-Men United. Let's bring up our worst three. Worst three things, worst two, since we have a full crew compliment here tonight. So uh, let's start this time with LJ. What's something you didn't like about X2? <laughs> Okay, the one thing that totally stuck out to me, it's so small, but it was so significant, was whenever uh, the brother goes to call the cops. Oh my gosh, I hate that brother house, so much. Oh my well, gosh. Not only him, not only not necessarily him, but when he gets off the phone right away, he the camera pans to his computer where there's like <laughs> the news on or something. 
Okay. And I was like, can you, in my mind, I'm like, could you even do that back then on a computer like that? Like, I don't right. know. It was, it, yeah, like, it took me out of it. Cause I, was, I, I even rewound it to, to be like, okay, is that just a CRT or, or is it like a computer? But then you look and you see there's like the mouse and everything right there. I was there's like, a, wait a, a minute. A plugin that you had to have the right. Um, no, Paul. No. 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 It does not work. <laughs> wait, not, you know what? No. You guys, to... guys, let's ask Brian. Singer. Let me call up Brian. Maybe he has a good answer for this. <laughs> hey, hello. That's Brian Singer. Yes. Who is oh. this? Brian, it's, it's I friends. wanted my pizza a half hour ago. You guys are late. What's oh, going on? I'm sorry. This is in the pizza <laughs> delivery place. This is uh, Francisco <laughs> from the Retro Rewind podcast. Remember me? You guys again. I already talked to you guys. What's yeah, going we, on? We you got my pizza? We, I will ask about your pizza pizza here in a second, Brian. But do you, I have to ask you a question about, do you remember in X2, that scene with the yeah. brother? He's on his computer after calling the police on Iceman. Oh, yeah. Because he thought his brother was gay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> So on the computer, he was watching TV, but was that even a possibility back then? Yeah, can't you see? It's on the film. It's right there. <laughs> I say action and it goes. I let my people do their thing. I do my thing and I make millions of dollars. Do you have my pizza or not? Yeah, I, I have your pizza. <laughs> okay, good. I'll see you in five you, minutes. You like, you bye like, bye. Okay, Brian. Thanks for that. I guess I deserve that. I hung up on him <laughs> earlier. Um, all right. So, LJ, that's a, a very fair thing not to like about uh x2 it, it just stuck out to me like it, yeah. it was so like it just kind of took me out of it for a sec that i had to rewind and make sure like wait did i just see that <laughs> yeah so, and it's you know, dumb and nitpicky but still something very similar that took me out of the movie and we commented on this in our like section it was the you guys mentioned how it's so cool that main neo's taking all this iron concentrate out of this guy and just uh, just yeah. eviscerating him from the inside out. Now, and I agree. That was cool. <laughs> that was a cool like strategy and you way to get iron into two Magneto. However, I have a cast iron skillet. That thing touches okay. any water. It rusts immediately. So the human body, which is composed of a lot of water, an iron comes out. It's not going to be all silvery. It's going to be rust, like the surface of Mars. So <laughs> well, get out of here with wait, your silver it, wait, balls, wait, 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 wait. Okay. It, it, your body has, I think they, I've read this online, so it's got to be true. But every, <laughs> everything <laughs> from the, your body has every element in it, even like small traces of uh, like poisonous stuff. Like if sure. you had more, it would go out of bounds and mm -hmm. you would die. Mm -hmm. So iron is one of those things that's in your body. But you're saying, no, we do not have iron in our body. We have rust because it cannot exist no, in there. Because <laughs> no, no. Once it oxidizes, it has to have yeah. water and oxygen and be exposed to oxygen, I think. So you oh, right. are you looking at like iron skillets <laughs> just standing there in the oxygen, not wet, going to A, you're rusted because if you're touching gets, oxygen. If it gets wet, <laughs> it does rust. That just happens. No, I have to not immediately Yeah, to get no, rust. Pre more rust in your body. It pretty much you want rust right away. Veggie. I have to oil it every time okay. I cook with it so that it doesn't rust. That's how you take care and season a cast iron skillet. Wait, do you ever cook with it and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't cook because every time the water and the touches the oxygen and the grease, it turns to rust and then my food gets no, all rusty. No, but if you I'm leave cooking. it out, it does rust is what I'm saying. For how long? 
Long enough, it doesn't matter. Long it's, enough for Magneto to extract it and use it. It's not we're gonna, gonna if, be if, silver if is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's science, guys. If, it's right. science. Okay, so if you're gonna science the crap out of this conversation, <laughs> let me just tell you this. There let's let's assume let's assume that there was a twelve hour period between when dude gets butt shot in yes. the bathroom and when he goes in to to handle his business. Yes. Also, we're not talking about just water in the body. There's chemicals and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to go off the assumption that smart people like Magneto, yeah. who know science, are probably going to have the injection filled not just with iron, but also with some stuff that might be able to solidify it, neutralize it or whatever, and not and activate pre- until a certain period of time. So and and possibly prevent rusting upon impact of oxygen. <laughs> I would say that, yeah. Because, you know, unless, you know, this guy's going to cook pancakes on his belly, then yeah. I think it's fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I think so it's, it's like... I think it's fine. There's, like, Crisco in there There's and all sorts of stuff. that's going to have that Lots as a superpower where they make their body iron and they yeah. can just cook off of themselves. Sure. Yeah. Like a mutant. Iron Man. <laughs> got to be a he mutant was, out He there. was Iron Man for 12 hours. And yeah. And he became Holy Man at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Patch? <laughs> why don't you tell me what was holy about this film, as in what's... How is it full of full holes? holes? Oh, okay. It wasn't Jurassic Park. That's, I mean, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> no, I, I will say this. So the film itself had had so many great characters. We start off with Nightcrawler. We get introduced to uh, little hints of Colossus. We get the Easter eggs. <laughs> and yet, for my money, for my preference, some of our focal point was on these two teenagers that I really don't have much of an investment in. Oh, and it may be. Which two teenagers, teenagers was that, Patch? <laughs> oh, I believe that was Firebird and Icicle. You know, <laughs> these two guys that, that you know, metaphorically, that's kind of cool. Fire and ice. Yeah. But right. I'm thinking, you know, one of them's a little bit superior to the other. Let's just, let's be honest. Yeah, the Firebird. Thing it annoyed it, me so yeah. much. I was like, drop the dang lighter or put it in your pocket or something. Yeah. So it's a I fidget get, spinner. I, I get the teen angst right. about it. And I think that that's, I mean, that's a fair thing to put in a film where you're centering at least around for at least part of the movie around a a school for gifted children right but at the same time if if they're a subplot that you're following i don't really care much about i mean like oh my family lives in boston and wolverine goes great and now that was the reason that you go why are you going home? What's the point? Yeah, because, I, I um, don't think that, I get that it. That was near where Storm and No, no. I, yeah, sure. I I just think that it felt a little dumb because what it did yeah. was the movie itself was already making a pretty decent point about different people and and not discluding creating inclusion. It, again, I mean, whether you agree or disagree with that line of thinking, it's effective throughout most of the film, but then you get this kind of intimate conversation that sort of reinforces it, which leads to the really bad brother looking at the newscast on a monitor that it shouldn't be broadcasting on. (laughs) And what it does is it creates this entire scene that I just don't seem as necessary. You can get from where they were to where they went to without going home and creating a little little moment here. I, I didn't care that the parents didn't care. Right. And I think it was mm-hmm. a sort of added fluff that wasn't necessary. Yeah. And I th- and, and I think the bigger picture for me is that these two characters that represent something aren't representative enough for me to care about them beyond just their symbolism. So yeah. I, I didn't I didn't like them as much in this one. That's a great point, Patch. I almost would have rather seen more of them either being friends and getting divided 
as an almost like a as an echo or um, <laughs> a uh, a parallel with uh, Charles and uh, Magneto. I think that would have been sure, cool yeah. to like yeah. play off that dynamic as opposed to yeah, yeah. exactly what they did. It seemed very wasteful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I, they could be united again. By the end, <laughs> there you go. Or have yeah. I mean? But they wouldn't have been united, right? Because Pyro goes off to. Uh, I'm yeah, sorry, Firebird goes off to be with Magneto in the Brotherhood of Mutants. Yeah, but they're ununited. Yeah. They're but it's, I think it's, it still would have been... I, I, I would like to see them play with that more yeah. than, than, again, like you said, Patch, the focus they went with. Uh, so that's... I totally can totally approve of that. Um, let's go to Colin next. What's something you didn't like or you disapproved of for X2? Okay, aside from Logan's hair, sometimes I didn't yeah. like. It's, it's um, like the comic book, though, isn't it? Not yeah, as much. You needed but, to stand up more if you want. It like, made it messy, oh, okay. but like in a way that made it look like the comic kind of. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's the problem. Like sometimes it looked really cool. Like mm-hmm. when he's talking to to Stryker at the end, it looked yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. And then and then uh, when he has that green shirt on which was almost my tragic maker for the film, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, dude, it was like. It just looked funky and didn't look right. But anyway, gotcha. that's just a little nitpicky thing. But okay, so the tornado thing, where and then the 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 where the planes black, are swerving between the, them. Yeah, and the blackbird is crashing. Yeah. Um. There's a whole forest beneath them, right? Help me, help me understand this. So there's a whole forest underneath them. How did they crash right above? Magneto and Mystique in the bottom of the forest. Like, how did he they was, get to that? Magneto was was oh guiding them down, almost like, like a tractor. Probably because he stopped the whole time. Not the whole time, them. but it was coming towards the, conveniently coming towards yeah. their direction anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So out of the entire forest, it's convenient. Even if they're in like a like a couple square miles of it, it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. So Magneto catches the Blackbird, mm-hmm. and but then. Wolverine is kind of leaning over and like looking. There's no way that he would be able to move because he's metal. So he would just be like stuck there, you know? And so I don't know why they didn't pay attention to the fact that he's made of metal, basically, because Magneto can do whatever he wants. He was only um, attracting the metal of the plane, not adamantium. He can separate what metals he wants to hold. Since when? I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. Really? Also, didn't, didn't you see the same movie I saw? That's obviously what happened. <laughs> you know what, so he can pick. He can pick what metal. Yeah. I thought no. he could only do iron, like ferrite, like no, has anything metal. Really? Yeah. Then why does adamantium? He, he can well, do yeah, adamant, metal. Yeah, but because he he sucks the adamantium out of Wolverine's body in the comics, you know, yeah. and that's how he gets bone claws, oh. and so. Okay, so and then in the, how he can and then in the first movie, that. remember in the first movie on the train where he's holding mm-hmm. up Wolverine, yeah, you know, and that didn't make so sense I don't to know. me either because I thought it was just iron that but, he could manipulate, no, but I guess not metal. No, I would say I would I would agree with Paul that Mag- part of Magneto's power is his ability to harness certain, not just certain types, but the level. So right, it's like at, when he was able to focus just the guns and their medals in the first mm-hmm. movie, not all like the handcuffs and everything, or lift yeah. up just the police cars. You can focus on certain objects. Oh, yeah. cool. He's okay. not like an electromagnet that just chaotic stuff. Yeah. That's fine. But you're telling me that the mm-hmm. main big bad of X One and Liberty yeah. Island, and he's facing off with a uh, Wolverine. This this beast right this like uh, berserker rage guy and he's in the jet that he's got upside down basically Mm -hmm. and you're not going to restrain him 
No, he's not a problem at that point. Oh, come on. He's Wolverine. Maybe this Wolverine's not a problem, but yeah. the comic Wolverine would be a problem. Oh, oh we'll, yeah. we'll get into that later. Okay. Well. <clears throat> little nitpicky. That went on way longer than I thought it no would. No worries. Yeah. Totally fine. It leaves me to ask, Paul, what don't you like about X2? Um, I don't know why writers do this, but it's considered terrible writing when the villain leaves the hero alone in a room. It's very cliche. And this movie does it twice. Oh, both with, uh, um, striker leaving professor X in the, in the cerebro two, And then Magneto in there, but they isn't both the other guy controlling professor. Him? Yes. Yes. They have the, the son striker son in there, mm-hmm. but both of them, both striker and Magneto leave professor X to go in there to be saved. Because, you know, the, the bad guy's not there to make sure that he isn't. It's just bad writing. So you're saying Stryker should have just stayed there the whole time? So what I'm saying is it's very cliche and I don't like it. Now, they did give um, a Stryker a reason to leave because the dam was breaking. He wanted to save his life. So mm-hmm. that was that was fine. I was willing to forgive it. But then they did it again with magneto sorry i'm gonna leave you now and it's like why again come on (laughs) that's fair okay uh then let's get to our tragic makers guys and uh you know i'll just come out the gate and say uh the last uh, third of this movie actually not the last (laughs) third that's unfair but after they've I, okay, I can't a honestly. Lot of pace, they just let it down. I, I feel it's like an anti-Jurassic Park movie. It's it's <laughs> there's something about the last, and this is every time I see this movie, it just gets to the point of like I'm just done. I'm bored, or I'm tired, or something. At some point, it's slow and boring. At the very end, it is. I'm just like, and I think I was falling asleep because you guys were mentioning some things that I don't remember toward the end. After uh, you fell asleep. After they get Uh-oh. I think after Stryker is like on the dam, I think that happened. Is that what happened? I don't remember. But there's it just like slows down. Reason I can't remember chains? if they if they saved the kids or not. I just it's just like Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, I you don't... fell asleep. <laughs> oh, so now it's a tragic thing uh, for it's, Francisco. It's not, uh, maybe, but it's I don't know, it's just the last uh, eighth of this movie is just yeah slow and boring. I don't get why it, because Care it's so great. Kids. It's a great pace movie all the way up until there. And ever inevitably, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, it ends on such a like sort of pathetic note. I'm like, why do people like this movie? And and but I enjoy it up until then. So I I don't know what to say. That's my tragic maker is the last. What's of the this pathetic movie. note it ended on? The the phoenix rising out of the water. Or the I, the, I black, do remember the white that. text on black background of the credits going. It's, what? it's not Firebird. It's Phoenix. <laughs> I know. <that. laughs> there we go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, I'm I'm with you, Francisco. Actually, yeah, the oh, pacing what? is kind of. Yeah. Now oh, the um, you sleep too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I actually toward that part, I almost kind of did. Oh, I would say the the whole uh, Bobby Drake family scene is what really kills the pace of it. Th- that, that does too. Well, well, yeah. I I the only reason I stayed awake through that was because it was agitating. Like, oh my gosh, seriously. 
I, I just look at that screen. How is that possible? <laughs> Not that far, but okay. No, the the kid snitching on his brother. Like, uh, how if you're gonna do that, you need to build up so much animosity early on between these two brothers to make that believable. Because I don't believe no, a brother's gonna snitch on his house. brother. I wanted it gone. <laughs> I would believe that that brother would snitch on Bobby because Bobby sucks, dude. Like, well, I'm not going <laughs> to. Wow. What if that brother, because I don't think he ever opened his mouth, but what if he opened his mouth and said, dang it, Bobby, why are you next? <laughs> What's the deal? Wow. Dang on, dang on. I'm that, the king that, of the hill. Dang on, X-Man. Go get a super powerful guy. I fire and fire bird. God. <laughs> I just throw in a cocaine party. Make this good patch. Jeez Louise. I love a good cocaine oh, party. Oh my gentlemen. gosh. <laughs> hey, that's this isn't the eighties. Oh sorry. You're right. It's not Okay, so that was my tragic maker though, guys. And so Colin, it sounds like well, that was your tragic maker too, or uh yeah, was tragic maker else? was uh yeah, I mean they kind of go hand in hand where Bobby, I think, was my tragic maker, mm. where it's because he was so different and not at all like Iceman from the comics or anything yeah. at all. Yeah. Like even going going back to X-Men one, like the first issue of X-Men, where um this Bobby's kind of shy, he's a little timid, he's real soft spoken, he's real this and that. And then and then the Iceman is like outgoing and he's just like kind of brash and he's a prankster. And mm-hmm. he wants, and he's actually helpful <laughs> from the comics. You know? Is one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah exactly. And like, see, and he doesn't help at all. And yeah. and so that kind of ties in with another thing that really bothered me is like, why are all these mutants like feel so useless or so helpless in the in the X mansion and stuff? Oh, you're getting the mind. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Because that really bothered me, man. Because like, okay, you have Bobby, you have you have Iceman, you have Rogue, you have Pyro sitting there just screaming and going down the hallway, and I'm like, dude, you like, and then you show up during when the when the cops come and blow up their stuff, but when everybody's raiding the X mansions, like, where were you? You know? Yeah. And so I just don't like the fact that those mutants, like all of them, didn't even try to. You know, get rid of the soldiers, and yeah. then yeah, Colossus you know, was. Which why how many more Colossus? Besides, but he's but he's yeah. older, right? I mean, I yeah, think I any of those true. any of those kids could have used some sort of power because what are they yeah. learning there at the school? I mean, they're learning about you know regular stuff, but to not use their power. <laughs> to not, they don't they're learning how to not use their power. Well, they're learning to control it. And, and when to use it and when not to. And this that is a good example. That was when to use it. That's, right. yeah. that's exactly. the perfect time and to use have, it. Your you stuff is being attacked. Big, you yeah, picked the, the wrong that, house, bub. And, and yeah. then, like, you yeah. know, they if everybody was showed up, there's no chance that that's anybody... That's points. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, because in a group that size, you're going to have kids who run away. But you're also going to have kids who are going to be like, forget this. Like, I'm exactly. going to take down... Here's my chance to take down an adult. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Banshee did a good job until they just like uh, shot her that, with the thunder. Banshee. I mean, not Banshee. Close enough. What's her name? Uh, the, isn't it Banshee? I could swear. Or is Banshee yeah, the dude? It could have been anybody. Banshee's yeah. the guy, but I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah and oh, that, that bothered me. I was like, man, thank you for shooting her in the throat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because. Sit her down. Sit her down right there. <laughs> thank God that scream is over. <laughs> But, um, and then, (laughs) yeah, so, yeah, what really bothers me is that when are we going to get our suits? And then, and then Wolverine's basically like, when you grow up, and Mm -hmm. then, 
they're wearing suits at the end and they didn't do anything. It's like, it's not earned. You know, you didn't earn that suit, you know? And, and no, they survived the attack on the dam together. They earned Wait, their merit, their no, damn no, 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 merit no, no. badges. No, these, these are wow. participation uniforms is what they are. They're participation yeah. uniforms. Yeah. Everybody gets a uniform. You get a uniform. You get a uniform. You get a uniform. Okay, yeah. Oprah. Uh, all right. So that's a totally valid tragedy maker, in my opinion, Colin. Uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of everyone getting a tragedy maker, how about let's give Patch. What's your tragedy maker for X2? Well, I would say this. I don't know whose fault this is. If it's the it's studio Brian Singer's or if it's <laughs> Brian Singer. I mean, we could call and, him up or, and ask him, but go for it. I don't like a tease that doesn't play off, play, you know, pay off. Isn't that and more Brett Ratner's fault? But okay. <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. What we see is a complete film with a little great tease that ends up leading to a subpar finale. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, please explain. What, what is I teased? Mean, well, I mean, you've got the hint of the Phoenix rising that, mm. not that one, no, the, <laughs> the, the, the good fire. The one that actually you want to see in the next film. Well, that's the of tease of the next movie. It's the tease of the next movie, but the payoff in the third movie just seems really, really mediocre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So your tragic maker of the second movie <laughs> is the third movie? I, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, look, when you, <laughs> I, I get that there are challenges to this, and the last three Star Wars movies are a great example of this, that if you don't decide ahead of time, let's create cohesion so we can create an overarching story with really great A plots and B plots and things that to to lead to a larger narrative. Mm -hmm. What ends up happening is Brian Singer leaves the director's chair and now you've got this third movie that may or may not have had the script that it did. It may have had the inklings of a plot, plotted out narrative. And I'm not going to blame X2 for this, but I'm saying specifically that if you're going to tease something, you've got to have the gumption to at least pay it off in a way that makes sense. And I think X2 is 95% great, but the fact that you are leaving me with stay tuned for the third movie back to the future two does that. Mm -hmm. And while back to the future three, isn't, as good it's still hold a good movie but it, your it, tongue i'm gonna hold my tongue and, <laughs> and say that is who the three is is not as good as the other two no never mind <laughs> fact, <laughs> your tongue go. I did. okay i got what, that what you have what you have is x1 is a complete story with yep. a hint at maybe we should get maybe we'll get a sequel and now x2 ends with uh we're gonna get an x3 and so it almost feels like all right look if you're gonna double down and really tease this out you gotta come through pay Mm -hmm. pay that man his money you know and in terms of giving singer his full you know his full director prowess or whatever and so technically yes it it wasn't something about x2 that was my tragic maker but i think the decision to tease a third movie and not really pay it off as effectively as you set it up is my tragic maker i just i want i mean if, if you're gonna double down like that man pay it off i got i got frustrated with like the pirates movie the second mm. movie was great until yes. i realized oh it's a really long trailer for the third one okay, uh, okay. that's fine that's fine and that's what i felt like when i saw x3 i was like oh so x2 is just kind of a really long trailer i don't feel that way now i feel like 
99% of the movie is great. Except for that last chunk, huh? Yeah, I agree. That last, I mean, I, I would, you know, and I would agree. I would agree, Francisco. The, the pacing of the last third feels a little bloated. It feels like you're like, all right, let's throw some more action. Let's not let it slow down. And you're really trying to bring all these small pieces together, which, granted, if you're juggling all these different subplots and all these different character pairs, you got to bring them to closure at some point. And I feel like it was kind of like, and in the end, they all survived. Okay, let's go back. So, so did you like the uh, uh, relationship between Rogue and Bobby? No, not well, at all. There you go. That's that's a tragic but, maker, like inside X two. But again, I think that goes back to my other dislike. So they're probably interchangeable in that that Bobby and Rogue did not matter to me. It felt like yeah. a CW plot. Oh, it totally felt like something CW. You'd see yes. On like an X an X-Men TV show. Look, you throw that in Smallville, that's fine because mm-hmm. it's appropriate. This felt like a TV show plot. <laughs> Wait, was me. he in Smallville I, or was that his brother? He was. He was in Cuz they're he twins, was in right? Small- yeah. Oh, are okay. they twins? Yeah. Oh, no, I think it was him in Smallville. Oh, okay. But yeah, I I mean I, I would agree, Colin. I think if you've got this pair they just, they feel juvenile. They are juvenile, but they feel yeah. juvenile in, inappropriately in relationship to the rest of the movie. This is an adult X-Men movie. Like it's, it's surrounded yeah. by like mature characters mm-hmm. and you've got kids that are just sort of ratting around. Look, let them be in the background. You know, let, don't let them carry a subplot from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't empower Rogue at all. It didn't, no. I mean, there, it was Poor just, Bobby. she was just the, she was just the girlfriend kind of running around screaming and, you know, and like, Not she wasn't empowered. Yeah. 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 And dude, she's rogue. Like in the, in the comics and stuff, she could suplex a sentinel, man. Like right. she can, exactly. you know, and like, and this is just, it didn't and treat fly, her with any. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, she <laughs> flew, she flew the Blackbird and then crashed yeah. it, but then that's it, Gosh. you know, but yeah. then. She hasn't. You know, it absorb didn't give Ms. Her, Marvel's powers yet, I think. No, yeah, she it hasn't. Didn't, it didn't empower her at all. It didn't give her any respect. I mean, but anyway. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on to LJ's Tragic Maker. What did you hate most, LJ? Um, so, I mean, before I mention it, I want to uh, add to real quick about uh, the whole, like, payoff thing. I, I would say that... Uh, I believe that it w- the sacrifice could have been cooler than like a dam, you know, flooding sure. kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's where to me the payoff is is a little weaker than it could have been. But mm, anyway, I just wanted to add th- add that. Uh, but my tragic maker I talked about earlier was Cyclops. Man, that yeah. dude across this whole trilogy and even totally. even this this one in particular like at least in at least he was present i guess in the first movie mm-hmm. but this movie he was like barely in it to me yeah. like he was just he barely said a few words and to to have him re- like reduced to like a fill-in like bad guy like for yeah. and and i get it that's like the whole like oh mind control thing but i felt like they could have easily added uh another villain alongside with yuriko which who was also a much weaker character than she is in like the comics and other source material and stuff. Yeah. Well, props um, to James Marsden for coming back and returning, even though that he, he had such a minor right. role. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I agree that he, he, there is so much potential there in yeah. a lot of these characters. He did the yeah. best he could with it. Like I exactly. still, I, I would have loved to see him do more. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It goes back to the writing for sure. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and like, I love, I'm a Cyclops guy too. And it's just mm-hmm. like, you think of him, you want him to be this leader, 
Yes, uh, like yeah. a Captain America, a good old boy kind of type. Yeah, he got totally owned by yeah. professor protecting um, Professor Xavier. But mm-hmm. then, yeah, you yeah, like a Captain America, like you know, you go yes. here, you go up here, you go down, you do this, you do that, and the he's tactical, yeah. all that stuff. The strategist, yeah. and yeah, they didn't take advantage of that. Yeah, and then the whole time I'm like, man, Logan, like that's 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 Scott's girl. Leave her, leave her alone. Like, yes, him, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> like totally. I, I yes, don't, I, I didn't like that whole arc. To I'm just like no, nah, we don't need this. That's Cyclops' yeah. girl, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I know they have that um, dynamic. Like at least in the '90s cartoon, there was that. Yes, too, there, but there is that a little bit. Yeah, but like I was just like I didn't I didn't like it. Um, and it was that whole like oh we're making Wolverine the lead character thing, which which was fine too because they actually did a really good job with that. But yeah, so, uh, Cyclops could have been a much cooler character all mm-hmm. around. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, another villain. I think in his place, instead of having him be the one to like, you know, f- like fight the X Men, I was like, they could have easily put another small villain in there. Yeah. Uh, oh, when, have, when, you mean when he was mind controlled? Yes, when he was yeah, mind controlled, okay, okay. they could have easily had another in there. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know who. Now that I think about it, but it's just like they the Joker, not there's something that could stand up to his <laughs> blasts. Like there's so oh, many point. like they could choose from like a bunch of minor villains. Um, mm-hmm. But oh, there I, you I go. Thought, that I would be cool. One of the Toad, guards yes. was Toad, not Toad, but uh, who was the guy that that played? Um, um, oh my gosh, sorry, just a total brain fart. No, who's the guy that played the uh, Darth Maul? Well, uh, Ray yeah. Park. Ray Park. Yeah. Yeah. Ray yeah. Park. Yeah, Ray Park. I thought one of the guards was Ray Park at for a second, for a split <laughs> He kind of did look like him. Yeah, I think yeah. I know what you mean. That's cool. Um, yeah, man, Cyclops is just such an underutilized character, and yeah. and I, I I would say like in 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 the way that like Rogue is underutilized. And, yeah, and Iceman uh, and a lot yeah, of yeah, and Iceman. Yes, but this one is just as a Cyclops fan. I'm like, oh, this is yeah. so tragic. Absolutely. Well, I'll go into my uh, tragic maker based on that. Ball. Speaking of underplayed, I. One of the things that I liked about this, I thought some of it was really smart, but I thought a lot of, unfortunately, there were many un- not so smart in how they use the characters. That's um, hard to do with a big cast like that. Well, then you don't do it. Look, you either yeah. go big or go home. That's what this demands. I $120 mean, you have million, dollars, they did go big. You have <laughs> Professor X, who, by the way, in the comics, doesn't have wheels on his... It's like a hover thing that he floats with his mind. Like He, he floats can control it with his things. mind? I don't think I knew well, that. They, I float with my mind, too. Why does it... Tel- telekinesis, right? <laughs> no, no, no. So how Hold, does gas... Stop. Stop. Full stop. Full if stop. he can move a chair with his mind, why doesn't he just move his legs with his mind? Well, he can then why doesn't because he chooses yeah, he not to them. because it's i i go i forget the whole reason why he choo- it's it's the sort of like middle? disgrace or something like that it's like he could if he wanted to but he chooses not to for whatever that's his reason why don't you ask him maybe it's anyway. a wheels joke in the first movie yeah, yeah that was a good joke i love that joke so here you have gas in in the chamber, Magneto's what, chamber, and you can. But maybe he cannot. Maybe he's not telekinetic in the movies. No, not Magneto's gas, <laughs> but wow. the gas that knocks them both out. Yes, yes, you know. So as someone who can, I'm thinking that this is the Professor X from the comics that can move things from his mind. Gas is one of those things that he could push away with his mind. I don't need. But mind. he he just sucks it up like the the wuss that he is and. <laughs> Because these writers don't know what to do with these characters, it's kind of <laughs> like when you have um, when you when you have 
when Stryker is invading the mansion, you know, like mm-hmm. we said, it's all those kids like not attack. That was also my tragic maker. It's like you have Wolverine who could almost take out all of these guys that, that it's looking like. He goes on a full, you know, like all up in there. <laughs> yeah. and, and like, okay, not even a couple of these kids are helping him out. It could, like the three of them could take out these guys, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. The writers don't know what they had, so yeah, it's, like those it's kids are being trained to, to use their powers, and they're freaking out and not using them. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy who watches TV all the time—that's a huge superpower right there. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Right? Well, that's true. Maybe some of them have lesser things to deal yeah. with, but yeah, yeah, sure. You're gonna have the kids that run away. I, but, I think yeah. I, I think what we can all agree on is the fact that there are characters that we see on screen or that get depicted in some way, shape, or form. Remy LeBeau is one. Um, that are popular, but are underutilized, and then the ones that we don't care about as much are either reinterpreted, Iceman and Pyro, Rogue. and yeah. and Rogue, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. who who don't who aren't elevated. And I would I would say of those three of that triplet of of those three teenagers, Rogue gets the shaft more than anybody else. Oh yeah, because yeah. she's such a central figure in the first film. I would absolutely yeah. expect. That over the course of the time between the two films, when the first film ends and the second film begins, she's gotten more mature. She's gotten more yeah. powerful. And the central but crux no. of her, her central conflict should not be, can I make out with my boyfriend? It <laughs> right. should be, it should be, how do I, how can I help the team? Right. And that's where I've, and in fact, because Anna Paquin's such a fantastic actress. Maybe they didn't know that at the time. Maybe she wasn't showing it, but that's where I feel like, that was lost, and I would have right. forgiven. So was her Sorry. accent, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think she right. had one one southern line in that whole thing. Oh yeah, I forgot about you know that. What, that's, I mean, but again, that's that's fine. If if you're gonna if you're gonna reinterpret <laughs> that, fine. You don't have to take. You know, if you're gonna take that away, as long as you're bringing the essence of her character to life and give her some growth, mm-hmm. I don't feel like there was any growth from movie one to movie two. No, mm-hmm. she regressed that character. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because it was really just uh, Wolverine. X2, X-Men United ah! with Wolverine. Drill claw, yeah. tornado claw. Like, like I said Push earlier, yeah, that, it, the, the Wolverine thing was was done really well, but it was also a detriment to the rest of the cast and the exactly. rest of the like movies, really. But yeah. now that we've entered all our trajectories into the firing computer, Alice, do you have a firing solution for us? Firing solution complete. Rating Salvo at the ready on your mark. Alrighty, guys. Do we rate X2, X-Men United, a classic? We'd recommend anyone go see this film, whether or not they've seen it before. A nostalgic. It's worth your time to rewatch it if you watched it as a kid and you enjoyed it, or if there's, or you just have fond memories of it. Yeah, we'll experience it again. But if you've never seen it, maybe go watch, I don't know, one of the MCU movies or something like that. Or do we rate it a tragic? It's not worth anyone's time today. If you've never seen it, keep it that way. And if you have, if you do remember seeing it and have fond memories, don't rewatch it because a rewatch will sully those fond memories. So let's start with our newest guest. And uh, Colin, what is your final reign for X2, X Men United? You you predicted classic. Did that hold up? Strong classic. Colossus oh, classic uh, is what I predicted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, during our discussion and during the the watch last night and everything, I just, I don't know, man. 
Oh, <laughs> it kind of had to. Re- it kind of had to come down a notch. Uh, mm. I mean, you know me. I'm a huge X Men fan, and I feel bad about like having to downgrade it. But I'm gonna have to so, go nostalgic with it. Go ahead. So I was about to say, is it a moderate classic? Not so colossal. <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those little student kids uh, in the in the uh, school who didn't do anything classic. Wow. You know? Okay. Guys. No. <laughs> No, I'm I'm kidding. Yeah, I I had like reluctant classic or just kind of I was on the fence, but I'm gonna have to downgrade it to nostalgic. Uh, we're just we're just so spoiled with like the MCU, and I'm yeah. really looking forward to what's gonna come up and how they're really gonna be true to those characters and how they're really gonna elevate those characters. And are they and though? I I really I, think so because I don't know. everybody's talking about. I don't, I don't know if they'll actually it. get around to introducing them. But then on the other hand, there's so much money to be made by introducing oh, yeah, them that totally how right. not? Yeah, they oh they definitely will. Yeah, so nostalgic for me on this one. Nostalgic. Even though the Nightcrawler sequence is the is the is the bad. main really event. Man. Yes, like that totally. thing is just so awesome. Yeah, they should have done. Okay, something. let me. You, oh, you bring that up. Yeah. Do you like the Nightcrawler sequence better than the Quicksilver sequences of the? That, that the came prequels? to mind me too as a comparison. Oh. Yeah, interesting, Paul. Yeah, what? Do you well, think, I haven't Paul? seen it. I haven't oh. seen, yeah, I haven't seen oh, that. Really? Um, yeah, because uh, oh. to Patch's uh, point, I didn't like X three. I didn't give the others my attention. I okay. give it a try. And I, and I heard yeah. that was really cool. I, and I heard that was really cool. So, so let let me say this, Colin. Can I go next, just to kind of tie go, to that? Go Francisco? for it, Patch. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and say, tra- uh, not tragic. Uh, no, no well tragic. You said tragic. We can't go. We can't. You said, that was your first Triumphant, word. Tri- no, 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 no. <laughs> I said triumphantly nostalgic. Because oh, okay. <laughs> I, be- I, I, I do believe X2 is the best in this trilogy. By okay. far, hands down, period, die. What I will say, though, and wow, this is interesting, is, die. is the, is the, I didn't say dot, die, I no. said dot, D-O-T. Oh, I thought you said die, sorry. No, period, <laughs> dot, is what I'm saying. Is oh, double, period, yeah. die. <laughs> what, I, what I will say is the prequel does the exact same thing for me. You've got a, a pretty good first entry. Mm-hmm. Days of Future Past is phenomenal. Yeah, oh, I yeah. really like it. But that's yeah. not then, considered part of the- And then Apocalypse the... just kind of goes, what? Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's I don't know what it is. If it's the singer touch which says, you know what, the second entry is gonna be the bomb. And maybe. you know what? You put him in a in a franchise like Pirates of the Caribbean of those original three, and now you've got a really great trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like you got a first and a, first is fantastic. I don't think anybody's gonna touch that. So just as an FYI, yeah. if you ever want me on, just know it's already going to be a classic uh, if that ever comes around. And the last one was pretty good. A great way to finish that. I think the second one just felt muddy. And I'm like, bring in Singer to kind of pump that up. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the opposite exists with the these two X-Men trilogies where you mm-hmm. have a, a pretty good first entry, a fantastic second entry, and then a mediocre third entry. I think I think Days of Future Past is rewatchable for anybody, even if you don't no, it's it's really good. Yeah. I would watch, say watch the first and watch the second. Don't really worry oh, yeah. about the watch third. Watch in order. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, because I like first class, but I haven't seen first uh, class is good. But man, I was so impressed because I didn't really feel a lot coming out of first class. Like, okay, I guess mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. get excited exactly, about this. Exactly. Yes. I watched Days of Future Past and was like, this. Yeah. Is a comic Days of Future Past was actually pretty well done. It's, I will say. I mean, from start to finish, from from start to finish, and you don't have to watch Apocalypse to appreciate that because it didn't leave something 
at the end for me. Yeah, I felt like it was pretty closed. Yeah, Yeah, they could have closed it after that. I didn't feel like when Apocalypse came out, I was like, oh, good, they get to finish this. Whereas with X2, I was like, when X3 comes out, I'm ready to finish this out. And that's that goes back to my Tragic Maker. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I'll say for me, X2 is nostalgic, uh, but in and of itself, within these other two, it's by far the best. Got it. Okay. Very good. Very good. So, LJ, you actually predicted nostalgic. Did it stay the same or did it change much like uh, Colin and Patch's uh, ratings changed? Um, I think uh, watching the first one again recently lowered my expectations significantly because oh. that that the first one I would almost rate like very low nostalgic or even tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for context, when we had uh, Patch on and his uh, uh, fellow host from Feeling Film, Aaron uh, White, on to to discuss X Men, which you can check mm-hmm. out our review at retrorewindpodcast.com slash one hundred eleven. Uh, we rated that a disputed classic film, but continue wow. on. Okay. Uh, um, I think it would have to just go over the line for for classic for me because wow. Okay. If if well if I it, it's one of those things where it's like if I was to show somebody like you know like th- we had, this is what we had before the the MCU stuff so I I really it feels like underappreciated watching mm. these again. Mm-hmm. Um. So to me, it's like if I was to show somebody these these other movies, and if somebody wanted to watch a movie from the original X Men trilogy, I'd be like, okay, this is the one. Nice. Um, which, yeah, and so th- there's obviously there's there's a lot of iffy stuff going on, and there's just so much that they couldn't do that they could have done. Um, it's almost to it's almost a way for me to appreciate like okay, like here's what we did before. But now if we ever get to that in the MCU, we know it's going to be so much greater. Um, but I, I think a lot of a lot of good came out from from these from these movies. And this to me, like this is a classic. This is one that like if I want some nostalgia, I'll definitely go go to this one, which I guess that would also make it nostalgic. But it's, it's the absolute one that I would pick. And for me, that's a classic. Awesome. Uh, but now, Paul, I want to hear I want to applaud you. On you rating this the well, correct rating. What what say you we'll for your final rating? We'll, we'll see. Um, honestly, I would recommend this to the general audience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I would have a caveat if you're if, if you're a comic book fan or even a, a X Men animated series fan, you might be frustrated by some of these characters and what how they handle them. But overall, I would I would recommend anybody to uh watch it so i would give it not a strong classic like oh you have to put this on your it's a must see um it's not but yeah so i based on that i would recommend it to just about anybody i would Mm -hmm. that falls under the classic rating and for me uh i'm gonna have to go nostalgic i i predicted nostalgic i i have more fun with the first movie um, way more fun with like Days of Future Past for in terms of X Men fare, uh, and if this movie didn't have that last like chunk of just boredom, it would it would probably be a classic. But it just that that and also like we talked about Bobby and Rogue. I've always hate I Anna Paquin's a fine actress. I've always disliked her as Rogue. I want a grown woman rogue, not a child rogue. I, I want the rogue of the '90s cartoon and the gambit of the '90s cartoon the, the and that romance or, or non-romance, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> what, what, Paul? What if it's the prequel rogue? Then where's the prequel Magneto and the prequel Xavier? That's See, in first Anna, class. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know. If you want, if you want Rogue that young, have Rogue be in the uh, first class and and uh, Days of Future Past. That may, well, I guess Rogue, she is. But. Rogue filled a very jubilee role in this trilogy. So make a jubilee. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, make they could have made a she jubilee. She played the jubilee character in the first film, essentially. Oh, That's yeah, what I'm definitely. saying. Just make it jubilee. Why make it Rogue? Yeah. Have someone else That's be Rogue. I, yeah. So that that bothered me. Anyway, all that being said. Uh, it was, a, I enjoyed certainly lots of parts with it, like we said, at ad nauseum, the, the nightcrawler <laughs> scene, uh, the, the school takeover, even a striker was a good villain, I'd say, on the whole. Mm-hmm. I, he was very despicable in terms of what he did to his son. And uh, yeah, he's a great villain. Very dark yeah. story and motives. Mm-hmm. He, he just excels at that, be it born identity or X, uh, X2. And he comes back in the prequels. He, oh, I, he does. I don't remember that. Yeah, he's a he's a a, a major character in in as a younger version of Striker. Yeah. Oh, is it a different actor? Yeah, it's a different. Oh, actor that's that what that's what's yeah. okay. But mm-hmm. all being said, I'm going to rate X2 X Men Unite a nostalgic film. So according to the Retro Rewind podcast, we rate X2 X Men United a disputed nostalgic film. We'd recommend ah! if you <laughs> if you've enjoyed it. In the past, it's worth watching again. But if you've never seen it, probably go see one of the other X-Men movies. Uh, so, that being said, now it's time to get back to our own time. Good old 20XX. 20XX. Receiving incoming transmission. feels good to be back but we wouldn't have been able to travel back to 2003 to begin with if to begin with if it weren't for our amazing reflux capacitors namely jared holzauer deborah powers brian keating patrick hicks oh he's right here lj lowry he's here too chris cowan chris owens geek devotions the untold podcast james kennison true of the Cellcast, ashley cronenbitter Pastor Deuston, Kenneth Thin, Redeemed Otaku, Ryan Lingle, That's Our Babo, Josh Adams, D. Tungsten, Andy Lewis, Jeff, Lil Ronan, The Dapper Man Reviews, and Tony from Retro Days, in addition to eight other awesome, awesome patrons as well. Thank you. Wow. Thank you all so much for keeping the gigawatts coming. And if you want to help us keep flying for as little as $1 a month and get bonus content for your generosity, head over to RetroRewindPodcast.com slash support. To help us grow via Patreon, Subscribestar, or PayPal. And while we're thanking our supporters, we also want to give a big X-Men hug to yes. our guests for supporting us with their time and thoughts about X2, Indeed. X-Men United, X-Harder, <laughs> the search for more money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, as I like to do, i go around... Um, alphabetically, please tell us where people can find you online and there, is there anything cool you got going on? So let's start with Colin Schlicht. Thank you for coming. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. It's been, this has been a blast awesome. and I've been uh, looking forward to it. And I voted for, uh, to get this, uh, on the air for, you know, for the past, I don't know how many, how many months it's been up, but I had to vote a couple of times. Yeah. So, Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Artbycolin.com. Full portfolio. You can see all the art and stuff that I'm up to. And then uh, if you want to collab on a project, uh, go to artbycolin.com slash connect. And uh, we can figure that out together. And uh, follow me on Instagram at artbycolin. 
Uh, that's uh, Colin with two L's. And then I've got a gallery 1988 show coming up. Um, they're, they're a pop culture gallery out of uh, LA and they're awesome. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm doing something for Into the Spider-Verse for Ooh, that show. Cool. And it's going to be a big piece. And so it's, it's going to be fun. What, what, so you said a big piece. Is that like an eight by 10? How big is a, a big piece? <laughs> uh, 16 by 24 Ooh, nice. uh, is the scale. And then I'll scale it down to eight by 12 uh, okay. for okay. smaller prints too. Nice. And then, um, yeah, the portrait of X series, like for the, uh, for the auction, I love getting into that. And, uh, nice. Yeah, so just lots of stuff going on. So follow me on cool. the socials and see you there. Very yeah, cool. Thanks so much for being here. Yes, thank and you. And let's go to Patch. Where can people find you online? Is there anything cool you got going on that people should know about? Yeah, you can find me online at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. And as I mentioned before we started this fantastic conversation, I co-host a podcast called Feelin' Film. We've been around for about four years now where we look at films – both then and now, and talk about them from an emotional standpoint. We like to think that the reason you go to movies is to be entertained first and foremost. And as you leave a theater, you're probably thinking, man, that made me feel something, whether disgusted or bored or excited. And we talk about that. Uh, recently, we've been kind of taking a, a new approach by honestly talking about movies that we either know we're going to like or that we know we already love. So what? the movies that we covered that are not recently coming out you can guarantee that we're going to have a lot of good stuff to say about them. And movies like F9 that just released, we're going to have a fun conversation about, even if we didn't like some parts about it. We try to keep it positive honesty. That's kind of our philosophy. And make sure that we're keeping things on the emotional takeaway rather than technical. So check us out, feelingfilm.com. We've got a large repertoire of episodes. And as we mentioned before, both Francisco and Paul have been on several episodes and yeah, it's been a great conversation with them. So Always check fun. it out and uh, hear their voices if you want to get beyond just us two. That's good stuff. Very cool. All right, cool. And last but certainly not, <clears throat> Thank you, not least is War Jay. How can people <laughs> find you online and what's going on with you? Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at WarHeroLJ. Uh, I have the honor of being president of Geeks Under Grace, which is a website and organization that works to bridge the gap between Jesus and pop culture. Uh, through our website in which we have reviews, Bible studies, um, Christian living content, all kinds of stuff that tie the two together. And if there's, if you got a fandom, chances are one of us has written about it somewhere. We also have a Twitch channel. You can find twitch.tv slash Geeks Under Grace where we have somebody streaming almost every day of the week. We have our own podcast, the Geeks Under Grace podcast, and you can find that pretty much on uh, your favorite platforms. Awesome. So question, you said almost every fandom. Do you have a section of the site devoted to spatula enthusi enthusiasts? En enthusi enthusiasts, jeez. <laughs> uh, probably not. Uh, probably not that one. So you don't have I, anyone going to Spatula City and doing interviews with employees fan or anything? Fandoms and pop culture, <laughs> I should say. That That is a type of pop culture, if anyone gets a reference. Anyway, but thank you so much, Oh, LJ. sorry, I didn't get the reference. That, that's okay. It's a UHF reference. Uh, oh. thank you so much, LJ, <laughs> Colin, Patch. So awesome to have you guys all, uh, like Paul said, uh, take your time to be on the show. It's so fun getting to have these conversations with you guys. And thank you to you, whether you're listening for the first time, uh, and of course, everyone who's a part of our Rad Rewinder community, you all who watch us live 
every week, whether you're we're recording this podcast or I'm playing a retro game, you're an amazing, amazing group of people. You're uncanny. In fact, uh, uh, I see what yeah. you did there uh, and a group of people sustaining the pod. But if you are looking for ways to get involved in growing this retro rewind endeavor, reach out to us on social media where we are at retro rewind pod pretty much everywhere. You could buy some of our merch, leave us a review on Apple podcast or pod chaser, become a monthly patron, or simply just share your favorite episode of the podcast with a friend so that more people can enjoy the content of the retro rewind pod. You've been listening to RetroRewindPodcast.com slash 229, our review of X2 X-Men United with me, your XO, PaulJPowers.com. You can find me online and all my social media links at PaulJPowers.com. Well, it's not .org, it's .com. .com. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Paul, for being an awesome friend. A much better friend, friendship here than than Fireboy and Icicle Man. So much Fire Firebird. Here, here. Firebird. Oh, Firebird. Darn it. Firebird. Oh. Firebird and Icicle. Oh, I thought it was Firebird and Frozone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Frozone's way cooler. Way. Was def- super yeah. suit. Cosign uh, that. Colin. So that. cooler, uh, yes. Oh, wait. Oh, I didn't get it until now. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, Where's my super suit? Where is it? Why do you need to know? But thank you so much, Paul. Always <laughs> such a treat getting to do this podcast with you. Uh, and I have been and continue to be captain of the pod, Francisco Ruiz. Find me on Twitter at FXRetro underscore, especially if you need pixel art work commissioned. And we are honored to announce for the first time, not ever, but uh, maybe a few times before, we are part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Dot com. Not dot Imagine. Org, not dot net. Dot com. Hey, Captain. Yes. We're on final approach to base. Ooh. Something about salva authority is something or other. Great, Paul. Thank you, yeah. XO, and thank you, you. Yes, you listening right now for listening. We pray you are more joyful now than when you first hit play. Uh, but like a Pokemon, we got to catch you all for Air Force One, our next episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Get off my plane! Retro Rewind mission complete. Proceed to Nap Point Omega and return to base. Good night, sugar. See, where is that rogue? Where was that rogue? Exactly. Where is she? All right. She's in the arcade. (laughs) 